Hey, sports fans, Kaylee Mizell here. Welcome into Miked Up with Kaylee Mizell, presented by International Diamond Center, your local diamond experts since 1981. And boy, do we have a lot to get to today. And hey, I'm not going to save some of the best stuff until the last one second of the podcast, but uh, the Lightning certainly gave us a show last night. Uh, especially in that last second. Uh, incredible no-look pass by Kucherov. Ross Colton with the finisher. Corey Perry scores in the game early on. An incredible performance. We're going to get to that in just a second. We're also going to hear from Doug Wechter in this episode. We talk Rays, the way that the Rays have built this team, his experience when he was on the Rays, and so much more. We have all of that coming up for you, so be sure to listen rate subscribe and first here's a word from our sponsor a lot of people talk about clarity they talk about color they talk about the size the cut is the most important international diamond center owner keith leclerc talks about the most important of the four c's the cut the way the diamond is cut is 60 percent of the value Keith says it's like comparing two men who weigh the same but don't look at all alike one may look like tim tebow and the other one looks like me i highly recommend you stay with Tebow. <laughs> International Diamond Center. Buy the one that looks like Tim Tebow. Okay, first of all, we have to talk about that late performance by the Lightning last night. An incredible, incredible game. Uh, really saw lots of guys stepping up, taking blocked shots. Um, but got to get into it first. The Nikita Kucherov no-look pass. Ross Colton with the finisher. Here's Ross Colton. On last-minute goals. I'm usually not out on the ice at last minute. <laughs> such great personalities on this team. Such great senses of humor. And Ross Colton poking fun at himself there. But an incredible, incredible goal. We're going to talk a little bit more about Nikita Kucherov in a second. But before you get to that last-minute goal, it's still uh, an incredible performance by this Lightning team. And I think part of the reason is that you see every single guy. You see so many of them, from the captain to Eric Chernak, who has taken so many block shots, all of them putting their bodies on the line for this team, for Vasilevsky. Uh, just all of them have this incredible sense of compete, which we've talked about before. We've talked about their compete before. But really, when you look at this game, I think you're able to really see what I meant and what people mean when they talk about the Lightning, their compete level. Um, I'm going to let Brandon Hagel and both Steven Stamkos talk about this. So here's Brandon Hagel on the gutsy win by the Lightning. Obviously, that's what winners do. Um, sacrifice everything on the line for the guy next to you. And I think uh, credit to a bunch of us tonight for be for doing that. That's that's just the expectation of, of our group. And when everyone's doing it, um, no matter the situation in, in the game, it's it's contagious and guys are stepping up, whether it's an amazing penalty kill at, at the end, block shots, taking a hit to make a play. Um, guys are, are willing to do that, and uh, that's, a, that's a great trait to have as, as a team. It sure is, and especially whenever it comes to playoff times, that's what you're looking for, the team that goes the extra mile. I also think having two days uh, before the Lightning play back-to-back -back games at home to hopefully finish out and close the series will uh, do them well in terms of resting up their bodies, resting up 
because they did take a lot of hits and shots, and the game kind of roughed them up last night. Uh, so a well-deserved win. And speaking of the win, we got to look at that Nikita Kucherov no-look pass uh, to Ross Colton. I'm going to let John Cooper set the table for his perspective uh, and a little bit of history, too. And he's specifically talking about Nikita Kucherov in late-game situations. Well, that kid can make plays. And, you know, you look at him when that puck goes down, it was, I mean, Roots makes a great play, and then Pally makes a great play, getting it behind the net, and then he he sees Ross. And uh, But you got to get it there, and then you got to finish. And, um, you know, fortunately for us, I've seen, you know, Cooch be a part of goals like that. Um, you know, in my career here and you know it brings you back to the bubble and you know McDonough made that pass to, to Cooch in the dying seconds and and then you know 2015 when Tyler Johnson scored with a second left so it's uh I bet Cooch has probably been on the ice for all three of those but he's uh, he's a special special player and obviously, Lightning fans really get to see that a lot. The media members get to see it a lot because we have a front row seat to watching Nikita Kucherov in, you know, 82-plus games every single year. I think that some of these plays can still shock people. They don't shock us anymore, but they can still shock the outside world. And, and, and don't get me wrong, they're incredible plays. So I don't want to the message to be that they're lost on us, but... We just know how talented of a player Nikita Kucherov is and the way that he sees the ice and the way that it is so different. I mean, he is an elite player in the NHL, and we are watching him play. Uh, it's a pretty special moment. So now from the perspective of Ross Colton, what did that play shape up to be? When you're on the ice with Cooch, you got to, you know, be ready for anything. And uh, once I saw the puck, at, you know, rim behind the net, just went to the front of the net. And, uh, you know, he's got eyes in the back of his head, as you could see, because I didn't even know that he knew I was there. So uh, and he just put it on a, you know, he gift wrapped it for me. And, you know, luckily just uh, squeaked under the bar there. But unbelievable play by him. And now the Bolts have a few days off before they will take on the Panthers in games three and four back-to-back -back games Sunday and Monday at home. And, of course, we will have all of the coverage for you on the post-game show. Okay, well, that is it for our news and notes. But getting into the podcast, I talked to Doug Wechter, the analyst for the Rays, and he has a lot of incredible things to say. So be sure to stay tuned for my conversation with Doug Wechter right after this break. Word from our sponsor. At IDC, you're going to see more diamonds than you ever imagined in one place at prices you never thought possible. IDC owner Keith LeClaire. Nobody's ever accused me of not having enough diamonds. We're talking 30 times the selection of ordinary jewelry stores all at rock bottom, no middleman prices, right? We refuse to be beat on any diamond, any price, anywhere, period. International Diamond Center. If you're in the market to buy a diamond and you don't come to IDC, you are nuts. <laughs> Fans, I am very excited to have Doug Wechter, uh, who is just an analyst extraordinaire, uh, pitched in the bigs, dad, like it says on your shirt. Uh, you've done a lot of things, and you do dad bod. Oh, I didn't. Well, I, I think we all know if we follow you on social media, that is not the case because you're also like a workout extraordinaire. You, you do all of these things. You do them all very, very well. I'm really excited to talk to you today. 
Uh, so we are going to start off with a question that I ask everybody to start with. Take me back to a younger Doug Wechter. When did you know that you were good enough at baseball, at throwing a ball, to play in the majors? Oh, um, well, that's a great question. Yeah, I, I can always go back to even when I was in Little League and at the youngest level. And, um, you know, looking at my arm strength, I always knew I was a little bit different from everybody else. Um, and I never, I guess you could say every boy's dream is always to play at the highest level, right? And for me, I was a dual sport guy. I used to play football. I used to play baseball. And um, I always dreamed about playing both in the NFL and in the major leagues. And I would say, you know, I played for fun and I always played for fun. But um, when I got to a point where I knew I might seriously be able to get to a higher level, um, was probably in high school, early stages off in high school, I started seeing myself being able to separate um, from some of the other kids, you know, talent wise and um, scouts started to approach me about certain things and telling me, hey, look, you, you're a little bit different here. The arm strength isn't, you know, this isn't common to be able to throw a ball, you know, at this velocity at this age. And, you know, um, it just started that trajectory off to where I did think I could play at a higher level. And going back, it was probably freshman year in high school, somewhere in there. Yeah, that is, it's, it's kind of important, right? Those like pivotal moments in our lives where people are like, hey, there's something, there's something different about you. You do this thing and you do it like just a little bit better. You have this one, you know, this thing that is just kind of special about you. If you were to uh, say that about the Rays, what would be like that special characteristic or that special like thing that you're like, ooh, this is why this team this year has a shot? Yeah, I would say it's because of, the depth of the organization, right? So with the Rays, the way that they're structured, they do have some high leverage guys, right? You got a guy in Wanda Franco who is legit a top three to five major league baseball player and will be there talent wise, you know, for the next 10 to 15 years. I mean, he's a generational type player. Um, you got some guys behind him who can really swing the bat extremely well. Brandon Lau is one of those guys. You look at his last year, in the season he put up at second base, uh, you know, offensively and defensively, you know, he's a tremendous player. Uh, but you have guys all around him who can also play. And what makes the Rays team special is the fact that one through nine in the order, everyone's going to contribute. It's not just Wander Franco. It's not just like a Brandon Lau or some of these other guys who are at the top of the lineup. It's going to be everybody included in this lineup. And the versatility of everyone, right? Everybody going out there, being willing to go out and not have to hit a certain spot in the lineup, but, you know, setting egos aside and saying, Hey, look, you want me in the eight, nine hole, I'll go out there and I'll do whatever it takes to get a couple runs. And then on defense, put me where you want me. Right. We have so many guys who can go out there and play multiple positions at a very high level on the infield. And then in the outfield as well. Um, so really it, it's the fact that this roster is extremely deep with talent but also the fact that, you know, these guys have bought into a system that Kevin Cash has installed. And it's basically like, hey, you buy into this system. Let me move you around where we can put you in the most successful spot. And it'll help the team out in the long run if you trust the process. And everyone's buying into this process. And you can see it in the stat line. You can see it in the wins and loss record. Uh, and the Rays are right where they need to be right now because of it. 
Yeah, it's something actually that BA and I talked about at the beginning of the year. Um, it's something that I also always bring up when people ask me, why is this race team going to be successful this year? And, and I say, well, this race team is going to be successful this year because of this, but they're going to be successful for years and years and years to come because exactly what you said, the depth of talent in the organization. And it's not just, I mean, especially the way that the Rays use their rosters. It's not just in the, in the majors, it's in the minor leagues, right? They utilize those guys and they're very smart and, and effective in the way that they do that. But also, and I don't think you really get this with any other team in the majors. Um, it's that buy-in that you talked about. It's the fact that you're playing for, you know, the logo on the front rather than the name on the back. None of these guys have, you know, huge egos or big heads. They're all very humble, down-to-earth guys that, um, that exactly what you said, that they're willing to put maybe what they thought aside or what they, they wanted aside for the betterment of the team. And they really, really trust both the front office and their coaching staff, Kevin Cash, the manager, and, and the rest of the coaching staff, they certainly trust them. That seems pretty rare. You know, that, that, does, that doesn't seem like it's something to come by. Why do you think that the Rays have been able to build this, you know, machine, so to speak, where they're able to get these guys that have this buy-in, but also have a lot of talent? Like, Wander Franco is very talented, but he has bought into this mentality. Right. So I, I think personally, it starts from the top down, right? You know, so you got to go from management, Kevin Cash, you know, Kyle Snyder, the pitching coach, um, Chad Matola, you know, Matt Quattrero, the bench coach, all these guys on the field are installing this, you know, this basically a system that uh, if you trust it over the long haul, it will work. And we've seen that over the last three years. And so now they've built it to where when other players come in, they know what the Rays are about. Like you come in knowing that this is how the team and the organization uh, goes about things. They, they ask you to buy into this certain way of playing the game, of doing things, being versatile and being open-minded and trusting the system because it works. Now, it's easy to say that now, but these guys installed this thing about, what, five, six years ago, right? So when Kevin Cash came in, he had to basically start over, start fresh, and, and basically say, hey, look, we're going out there. We're going to change some things around. Um, just trust us. And it's never really been done the way the Rays have been doing it lately. So the fact that, you know, these managers and Kevin – and, um, you know, the rest of the coaching staff and the players have bought into it from the beginning is huge. You also got to give credit to guys like Eric Neander, right? Neander was the one who really puts these rosters together. And now Pete Bendix is in there with him um, and, and all the brass, all the analytics team. And basically, you know, this whole organization as an entirety, uh, you know, they on and off the field are subscribing to a certain way of doing things. And there's there's really no disruption in that. Right. You, you get it from the brass, you get it on the field at the major league level, but then you also get it at the minor league level. So the entire organization is buying into being versatile. Right. Not not going out there saying, hey, look, you've got to be in the, the cleanup hole every single time you go out there because you're a, this type of prospect. Right. They want you to be versatile. They want you to make, you know, move to different positions on defense. So you fit into this mold that the Rays have at the major league level and because there's so much unity you know top to bottom in the organization you're seeing it work at the major league level 
but there is a ton of work that was done in the background and going back all the way five, six years um, to be able to make this happen. And, you know, trusting the system, uh, you see it in the success they're having on the field now. It's just so much fun to watch, and they're doing it a totally different way than anyone in baseball has ever done it. They, and they certainly are, and, and they're finding that success, and so much so that, that there are other organizations around the league that are hiring, you know, uh, raise executives and raise coaches and uh, because they want that. They want – they see the raise having success, They and they want a piece of that system. Now, I'm wondering from you, you, you mentioned, you know, kind of going back to maybe when Kevin Cash started. Um, I'm wondering if we saw bits and pieces of this – maybe even a little bit earlier than that, right, with Joe Madden. Not, not to say that, you know, to give one, all of the credit to one guy or the other guy or anything like that, but just to say, you know, I remember when Joe Madden was the manager and we saw bits and pieces of this. We saw bits and pieces of the, hey, you're not going to play in that position today. We saw bits and pieces of the, right. we're going to have a different lineup every single, like I think just, right. just ridiculous statistics. And some of that is very specific to Joe, but some of that is kind of specific to the Rays and the way that they wanted to do things. How much do you think is kind of even dating further back than even cash getting, you know, signed on as the manager at the Rays, even into like the Joe Madden era and potentially even before that? Sure. Yeah. I was there when Joe Madden came in, right? I was there for his first year, first couple of years with the Tampa Bay Rays. And he initially came in and a lot of things were changed. You could tell that it was going to be a totally different organization, a totally different feel in the clubhouse and on the field. Um, and a lot of that is just buying into a new system, right? It's not going to be the old school way of baseball going up against everybody else with these massive payrolls and seeing if you can win. Instead, you're going to get really creative. And, you know, the Rays through the Joe era, who you just call it, um, they were getting creative. They were finding different ways to go out there and be successful. And they weren't afraid to test the waters. And I think that's kind of a common theme for, um, you know, ever since really Stu Sternberg took over and, you know, all the new regime came in, uh, they wanted to test the waters. They want to be different. They are not afraid to be trailblazers. And that's one of the main reasons they're so good now is because of implementing things like the shift. I mean, back in the day when the Rays were really one of the first teams to implement this shift, people were making fun of them. They were saying, well, what are they doing? Why are they shifting, you know, so extremely to one side of the field? This is never going to work. And, you know, fast forward 10, 15 years, and now you can't go, you know, two pitches without seeing an entire infield go to a different direction. Um, you know, now you look at the opener. And uh, how they basically went out there and they said, hey, look, I know this is how baseball has been played for, you know, hundreds of years or 100 years, but we're going to change it up. Our starter is going to be a bullpen guy, and then we're going to put a bulk guy behind him. Now, that was more in Kevin Cash's era, but um, that just shows you that it's more of an organization as well, buying into um, just the thought of not being afraid to make mistakes by going out there and doing something new and you got to commend them for it. I mean, you, you go out there against the Yankees and the Red Sox who um, in the Dodgers who have tripled the salary of almost every team. And, and if you try to beat them at their game, it's not going to happen. Got to do something different to make yourself successful. And that's what the Rays have done. And they've done a tremendous job as to what you said. I mean, it's a compliment that the Rays have staff every single year that are trying to be hired from other organizations. Everybody wants to see what the Rays are doing and 
and really implement it in their own organizations because they have been so successful recently. So in baseball, there is this, um, I think more so than any other sport, there is this nostalgia, this, um, you know, sacred, I don't know, idea of the game. And it is kind of an idea because the reality is, is like not very many teams or organizations play baseball or do baseball the way that it was done you know, a long time ago, right? Like we have a lot of new data, we have analytics, we have, um, there's just so much more information we have and it would be silly to not implement these things. But there is still this like nostalgia around baseball specifically. When you hear someone say like, oh, I don't like an opener, or I don't like the shift, or I don't like some of these creative ways that the Rays are making themselves contenders, and, and their reasoning is, I don't like this because I, you know, it, it's not true to the game, or I don't like this because, you know, baseball should be this certain way. What, what are you thinking whenever somebody says that to you? Yeah, no, that's a good question because honestly, I'm more old school mentality when it comes to a lot of things in baseball. Um, I, I love the history of the game. I feel like it's uh, it's you know something that is cherished by a lot of people, and a lot of people love the game because it was the way they brought up. That it, it hasn't changed in a lot of ways. Um, that being said, yeah, you know, you're, you're talking about really the traditionalists that don't want to evolve and and would rather see baseball the way it was played, you know, 30, 40 years ago. And, you know, I can understand where they're coming from. Uh, me personally, I actually like I'm more of an old school mentality with a lot of the things that uh, are going on in baseball. It's just that that's the era I played in. So that's the type of ball I relate to. You know, that being said, you got to be realistic. You, you got to understand that, you know, there's so much more technology out there. There's so much more information out there. Now, you'd you'd be stupid not to evolve. Uh, with the game, right? And when you look at the Rays and what they've done and the style of play they have now, you know, with the opener, the creativity with the shifts, um, they're basically going out there and trying to rewrite things that have been done for a hundred straight years and saying, hey, look, there's a, there's a better way to get this done. Um, and, you know, I, I love it. I love the fact that they are not afraid to go out there and, and just believe in a system that they trust over the course of a year and they trust will work. Um, and, and so look, if you're the Tampa Bay Rays and you don't have a payroll that is matching up with the New York Yankees, which, you know, nobody really does outside of a couple teams. Why would you try to play the same exact game that they're playing? Why don't you try to outthink them? Why don't you try to do something different so that you can match up with them on the field in a different way? And, you know, that's what the Rays have done. They've been creative. They've been so creative that they've been able to make the playoffs consistently here recently. And they have a world series appearance just a few years ago. So, you know, it's a system that definitely works. And at first people may look at it and say, wow, it's just so different from any type of baseball that I've seen in the past. But if you give it a shot and you watch this team over the course of a season, you're going to fall in love with it because they just find ways to win. They find ways to be exciting. And, you know, honestly, the style of baseball, every single game seems very close, right? They win on pitching and defense for the majority of these games. And so they don't give up a lot of runs. And that being said, I mean, it's going to be a, a pretty much close ball game every night, which is a fun game to watch. It's entertaining. And because of that, it's hard not to be a fan of the race.
Yeah, I agree. I certainly agree. And and I think that, yeah, if you give it, if you give the Rays a chance, if you watch right. a few of the games, it really, I mean, I think the, I think that you can hopefully appreciate what they are doing and find the beauty in the creativity that they are doing and find the creativity in being able to compete and, and figure some things out. So uh, that being said, uh, we're going to get into the final countdown. Last four questions that I ask everybody. And we're going to get into it right after this word from our sponsor. We don't go through brokers or wholesalers. We go straight to the cutters. International Diamond Center owner Keith LeClaire. You cannot get any closer to the source than International Diamond Center. With tremendous buying power and international connections that go back over 35 years, IDC can easily guarantee the best diamond value. We refuse to be beat on any diamond, any price, anywhere. Period? Period. So there you have it. You're going to get a bigger, better diamond. You need another period after that. Period. (laughs) International Diamond Center. First of all, what is your Happy Gilmore-esque happy place? My Happy Gilmore-esque happy place? Yep. Um, oh, gosh. That's a that's a good question. I'll say it's on the boat, fishing with my family. I just absolutely – I grew up fishing in the Tampa Bay area. Um, it is one of my hobbies that as soon as I get on a boat and, and throw a line in, my blood pressure just drops. I mean, it's just paradise. And so to get out there and, and do that with the family and be able to relax on the water in this awesome area, that, that's my happy place right there. Okay. If the Tampa Bay Rays team, the whole team, was a person, either who would they be or how would you describe them as a person? Oh, wow. If they were a person, how would I describe them or who would they be? They would be a person who is basically a jack of all trades. How about that? They are, they are good at everything they do, right? Um, they can handle any type of task. They can do it well, and they can compete with anyone. Is that pretty good? Yeah, that's pretty know. good. That's you, I, would, I would have never guessed. Do you, do you uh, have a person in mind? Answer. Do you have a person in mind? I'm just interested to see. Gosh, a person in mind who would be good at, not really. Um, It's hard to find somebody who's good at everything and uh, can take care of business. So that's, that's hard. I'm gonna have to think about that when you stump me on that. Yeah. You you think about it a little bit more. I kind of want to tell, so I asked BA the same question and he gave almost the exact same answer. He was like somebody who's really good at a lot of different things, you know, Jack of all trade. And I was like, kind of like a Renaissance man. And he was like, yes. And then he was like, Marky Mark. Yeah, Marky Mark. Mark. Yeah, because he could do it all. He can dance. He can sing. He's an entrepreneur. He's, he's an a movie star. He can, he can yes. do it all. You know. Well, then can I take his answer? Can I double down on Mark? Can you Mark? double down? I don't know. Does that seem fair? Yeah, I mean, look, I think <laughs> BA is awesome. Hey, look, he's a smart man. He is a he smart came man up with a great answer, and I'm going to copy it. Okay. Mark. I guess that's fair. I guess that is fair. <laughs> um, what would you tell? kind of going back what would you tell your rookie season self if you could go back and talk to your rookie season self what would you say oh that's boy um i would say enjoy every second that you have playing the game you know early on in my career and it took about two to three years before i really felt comfortable in the major leagues like you know you go out there and you feel like 
you want to stay there, but to go out and feel like you belong in the major leagues, it took me personally a while. And, and that's kind of the way it goes for most guys who break in. Uh, it takes a little while to get comfortable there. So you're so focused on staying in the big leagues and making sure that you're doing everything you can to optimize your performance. You're so focused on that. You kind of blur out everything else. And, you know, that includes when you're traveling to some of these beautiful areas in the nation, you're not going out and, and seeing the the town and enjoying, you know, that aspect of being in the major leagues. You're not, you're not going out and, you know, just enjoying all of it. You're, you're just so focused on the field, but, you know, Eduardo Perez was a veteran player who actually told me uh, about two plus years into my big league career. He's like, Hey man, you know, most guys, when they go to these new towns, they sleep in all day, they go straight to the park, then go straight back to the hotel, and that's it. You need to go out and experience these, these cities. You know, you're flying in, they're flying you into Boston, to New York, to Seattle, to, to all these towns, and you're part of a major league team, and you can go out there, wake up, walk around the town, enjoy what you're being, what, what's going on right now, enjoy the present, uh, and not just, you know, be so focused on just playing and so that was a really good piece of advice for me and it also helped me you know enjoy being on the field understand how blessed I was to be able to play major league baseball and to do something that's very special so uh, if I was going to go back I'd say hey man just enjoy every single second you have because it doesn't last forever is there a favorite city that you went to um, I always love going to Seattle. Uh, okay. I would say that Seattle was one of my favorites because probably because that was where I made my major league debut was one of the reasons. So nostalgic wise, yeah. you know, I always have a place in my heart for that town, that, that city and, you know, the stadium and everything about it. And so that was a lot of fun. And then again, I'm, I'm one of those baseball historical guys. I love the old stadiums and the old cities, Chicago, the Cubs, when I got to go play at Wrigley field. Uh, just it, it was hard to leave because you just love being in that environment. Uh, Fenway Park with Boston, you know, New York, the old Yankee Stadium, uh, all these places. It, it just it, you know, I would look forward to it. I, I would I would see these places on the schedule and I couldn't wait to fly in. And then I realized, you know, they have a pretty good lineup, but I got to find a way to get these guys out, too. But um, but, yeah, I would say those towns specifically were always on the top of my list of things. Okay, Doug, I'm, I'm about to let you go, but I just thought of something that, that I kind of want to get your thoughts on. Do you, do you ever feel kind of kindred to Brett Phillips? You know, both kind of homegrown boys playing for, you know, your hometown professional baseball team. You're both uh, great personalities, excitable people. Do you kind of feel a little kindred to him? You know, it's, it, I feel like I understand what, what he's going through a lot of times when you're playing in front of your hometown. And, and one thing about Brett is that you can tell he really appreciates the fact that he's here in Tampa Bay. Um, you know, I didn't understand how awesome it was to be able to play for the Rays until I was pretty much going to other teams because you don't realize how great you got it until it's taken away from you. Right. And so to to leave my hometown and play for somebody else, of course, I love playing in the big leagues with other teams, but it wasn't it was different. Right. The Rays were always, you know, it, it was the team I grew up rooting for. And so when you go to Brett, Brett actually started in a different club and then he came back to Tampa Bay. So, you know, for him, um, 
he's able to see what's on the other side and then coming to Tampa and see how amazing it is to play for this team and to play for your hometown. Um, I do understand where he's coming from. And I do feel like we, you know, having that in common, um, it's great. It's something that we can relate to every time I see him, you know, and I mean, my God, who doesn't love Brett Phillips? I mean, this dude is awesome, right? Uh, he's so much fun on the field. He's fun off the field. He's got a huge heart. Um, you know, he's great for the community. Uh, and yes, I, I do feel, I guess you could say a little bit of um, sometimes of, you know, close thought process uh, relationship, you know, where I understand uh, what he's going through and, and can really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, every time I see him, man, I want to give that dude a high five and, and just thank him for how what he's doing for the game. For sure. For sure. He has been certainly great for the game. Doug, thank you so much. I know you got to run. I really appreciate your time. Of course, anytime. Thanks so much again to Doug Wechter for joining me. I really appreciated his insights and analysis on the Rays. And I hope that you fans enjoyed it as well. And if you did, give us a five-star rating. Subscribe to the podcast. And hey, maybe share this uh, episode with a friend. Uh, see if they would enjoy it as well. We're still trying to get the word out about Miked Up. So thank you fans so much for listening. Uh, this has been oh, certainly a fun episode. Late night uh, with the lightning and then up early finishing up the podcast. So thank you guys for rolling with me. I really appreciate it. This is Miked Up presented by International Diamond Center, your local diamond experts since 1981. And a special thank you to our national sponsor in Southeast Toyota. Visit your local Toyota dealers today or exploretoyota.com and take advantage of the amazing deals on our full line of vehicles. No matter your destination, Toyota goes with you. Toyota, let's go places. This is Miked Up. I'm Kaylee Mizell. Thank you so much for listening again, and I'll see you next week.